Hello, and welcome to the Sky U Podcast, National Signing Day edition. Very exciting. I am your host this week, U Street. I am joined by our recruiting experts, also known as the two people who will do this podcast with me. Andy, go for Guy 05. Hello, hello. And Blake, Iowa Gopher. Happy National Sign Day to those who celebrate. No, I think I should note at this point, in case uh, we have some new listeners, my knowledge of recruiting, especially football recruiting, is basically nil, which for those of you who would like to hear a lot about recruiting means I'll be talking relatively little. However, because it is National Signing Day, there's a lot of stuff happening. Uh, Nike, also known as Oregon, appears to have bought a lot of, uh, a lot of players, which is great. Uh, go them. Well, we might talk about that a little bit, but also because it's National Signing Day, uh, I was thinking a little bit about what constitutes the recruiting area for uh, Minnesota. And so the idea when P.J. Fleck came it arrived, sort of at eight hours, and eight hours kind of feels like the Midwest. So I'm going to turn to two of my Midwestern brethren to answer the following question that has been kind of burning in my mind. Is the Midwest a state of mind? And if so, is Pittsburgh part of the Midwest? Start with Blake. Um, yeah, I would say Pittsburgh. No, 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 I would say Midwest is a state of mind. I don't think Pittsburgh is the Midwest. I don't. I don't think of Pennsylvania in general as being in the Midwest. Andy. Yeah, I'm going to agree. I think uh, you know the Midwest is is definitely a state of mind. You know, Pittsburgh does have a lot of similarities with, um, you know, if if you want to include Ohio in that, a lot of the mill towns, a lot of the uh, you know, industry and stuff like that. Um, so I can see how one could make the argument. Um, but I, I still think, you know, I, I'm still a stickler for drawing some geographic borders. And, and I would agree that Pennsylvania is not the Midwest, just like Kansas is not the Midwest. Um, you, you can't go too far east. You can't go too far south. So uh, I'll say no, Bob. You can, however, go all over the country to get recruits. Minnesota's top player in this class, I'm fairly certain, and perhaps someone's offensive MVP, perhaps Andy's, uh, is, is it Darius Taylor out of Michigan? That was actually mine. Ah. But, well, uh, as you can tell, I know very little about recruiting. Blake, expound as to why Gopher fans should be excited about Darius Taylor. Well, first, to be in fairness, you had a 50-50 shot at it being my or Andy's MVP. So don't you know? Don't be too hard on yourself. But um, yeah, Taylor to me is the clear-cut you know, offensive MVP of this recruiting class. Um, I think he committed originally committed back in April, and his recruitment just got a little bit more interesting this fall. Um, he's from Michigan, and um, obviously, the Wolverines are the are the blue blood of that state, and they finally extended an offer to him uh, in late November, and. Many of us, probably myself included, thought it was, you know, if we're going to be a foregone conclusion that he was going to, you know, spur Minnesota and end up playing for the in-state team. But um, he held firm. And, you know, even in the, the last week, obviously, Minnesota running back coach Kenny Burns left to become the head coach at Kent State. So that's Taylor's primary contact on staff and his position coach. And um, obviously programs like Iowa, Wisconsin and Notre Dame kind of saw blood in the water and um, were probably in his DMs nonstop over the last week trying to get him to flip and uh, sow doubt about his commitment to Minnesota. But ironically, he was the first letter of intent uh, in, through the fax machine this morning. And, um, you know, obviously, if you watched 
PJ Flex Sunday press conference today, you could tell he's very excited about this. Um, obviously, with Mohamed Abraham walking out the door, there's going to be a lot of carries, a lot of being vacated at running back. And, you know, we've got Trey Potts and, and Zach Evans coming back next year to be in competition. And um, Taylor will be on campus this spring to kind of throw his name uh, into the pool. And he recently rushed for, I think, 2,450 yards and 36 touchdowns as a high school senior. Um, he's a guy that can make plays, you know, in the passing game and the run game. He's a very dynamic playmaker. Um, but yeah, obviously this is a big get for Minnesota and the fact that they were able to hold on to him. And I think one thing Fleck mentioned specifically as part of his recruitment was that there a lot of programs were dangling, you know, NIL offers, which um, is technically illegal, but we all know it happens um, to try and get him to you know, give up Minnesota because obviously NIL isn't something that Minnesota is a difference maker in, in guards and recruitment. So, um, but you know, he held firm, um, kind of rebuffed all those NIL offers, and and stuck with Minnesota. And they might have you know one of their their next starting running back uh, coming in this spring. So, very excited for that. In order for a running back to be successful, there has to be an offensive line to run behind. Andy, are there players in this offensive line class that you are particularly excited about? Yeah, I think Minnesota got a couple of uh, really good players in this offensive line class, and, and honestly, in-state offensive linemen, which is really great. Um, you know, I think the, the biggest name that you're going to get thrown around is, is Greg Johnson. Uh, he's from Prior Lake. Um, he's, I mean, he's basically college NFL body ready right now. Um, you know, in, in high school, he's currently sitting, uh, I don't have his, I thought I had it here, but he's basically like six, three, three fifteen already. Um, and just imagine what he can do after he gets a little bit of time in, in the Gopher strength and conditioning program. But, um, you know, 24 seven ranks him as the number 20 offensive lineman in the nation. Um, you know, prior Lake, as a team this year, averaged almost three, uh, 240 rushing yards per game. Um, he's just, if, if you've seen his videos, he's just, he's got an attitude. He's hes your prototypical what you want to see from an offensive tackle. He's going to go out, he's going to pancake some dudes, he's going to stand over them, he's going to let them know what just happened. And, uh, you know, I think, I think, uh, Go for running backs and quarterbacks are going to love this dude uh, coming up over the next little bit. Uh, another couple of names to note, um, you know, we've got Jerome Williams from from Osseo. Uh, you know, he's probably got a, a shallower floor than Johnson, but some people say he might have a higher ceiling if he can, you know, grow into his body and his coordination. Um, I think the, the big one that everybody is most excited about coming in late um, – you know, Minnesota was in on this kid early, and then he committed to Pitt. And in the last two weeks before signing day, they got him to uh, flip back Philip Daniels out of Cincinnati. Um, you know, this kid, again, same thing, prototypical size, could probably slide inside at guard or play tackle. Um, you know, I, I think he's legitimately got uh, got the ability to play, um, you know, relatively, relatively soon um, if he can... Uh, get into it. I think uh, one of the things I think that, you know, Minnesota has been working on and, and really isn't impressive is I think they had something like 11 or 12 of these kids coming in in January. Uh, I believe both Johnson is coming in early. I believe Daniels is coming in early. So they're going to get that extra spring working with the, the, the strength and conditioning. And uh, I think that's, I mean, legitimately, I think, you know, as we have lots of questions about the offensive line, if they can build into their bodies and, and work in the spring and the summer, they legitimately may have a, a good chance of getting into a potential two-deep rotation coming in next fall. Importantly, 
unfortunately, perhaps sometimes, football is not just a game about offense. Don't tell the Big 12 that, but nonetheless. There's also people on defense. Blake, should we be excited about anyone in this class on defense? Oh, I should hope so. And I think obviously one of the chief complaints fans had this season was just the lack of a pass rush on the Minnesota defense. And uh, I don't know if he'll make much of an impact next season, but in the coming seasons, I expect he'll be hopefully be a fixture on the on the edge of the defense. And that's Carter Menz. He's the top ranked high school senior in the state of North Dakota this year. Um, he'll be he'll come in as a rush end, uh, just very unique blend of speed and power. He's got a great first step. Um, I think the last two seasons alone, he, he's racked up a combined um 38 tackles for loss and 22 sacks. Um, and he's got a huge frame. He's 6'5". So that's, you know, that's once he gets in a Minnesota weight room, they can add a lot of uh, size to that frame. Just, I mean, he's just going to, I think he'll be a very dangerous weapon on the edge for the Gophers. And um, I think Fleck actually compared him to um, Carter Coughlin in this side in a press conference. So um, just very excited to get that guy down here. Cause I mean, Minnesota can, can use all the rush ends they can get. Andy, are there people on defense that you're thinking like, yes, this will definitely help the Gophers defense next year? Um, yeah, you know, I mean, I think there weren't quite the flashy names on the defense, but I do think there are a couple players who could step in uh, potentially, uh, you know, talking about that defensive line and getting pressure. Uh, Theo Randall, uh, defensive lineman out of, out of the Houston area, um, you know, he, he was getting some interest late from some of those other Texas Southern schools. Uh, he's only a three-star recruit, but I think a lot of people think that he was uh, severely underrated. And, and it, it may take him a year or two to, to get his true ability. Um, but I think he's he's one of those guys that, you know, he's got he's got uh, twitch and might be able to, you know, do some rushing from that opposite end, not necessarily the rush end spot, um, but, you know, sort of playing that uh, – Otomeo spot or playing um, uh, that Willie the Dilabadu Dila I can't even say his name I'll Dilabadu yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah somebody like that playing that off off rush end defensive end spot where you know the ability to rush the quarterback but also fit into run stops and something like that so I think he's a possibility um, if you're looking for somebody who you know PJ Fleck was praising big time and and potentially uh, with the Gophers' holes in the secondary who might be able to work their way into rotation. Uh, Garrison Monroe, uh, defensive back out of Shakopee, um, again, only a three-star, but he's gotten bumped up here uh, rating-wise in the last couple of weeks, um, and he's be coming in, in in December or in January and, uh, you know, has, has that ability to potentially, you know, fill that that safety spot. I'm not saying he's going to take the uh, the Michael Dixon spot, but you know, he might be the guy that that ends up backing up um Tyler Newbin and potentially steps into that role as a as a sophomore uh the following year. He's got that sort of size, he's got that ability to both, you know, ball hawk but also lay a hit. Um so I think he's uh, he's a name we'll probably be hearing sooner rather than later in the uh, in the secondary. There's always the case in a recruiting class that of the people who show up, you will never see most of them. And there are other players who show up that are perhaps more under the radar. So two-part question for you, Blake. Part one, who is the sort of under-the-radar player for you in this class? Part two, since I presume you saw the interview that P.J. Fleck did today, do you find P.J. Fleck bringing back the wide power clash tie an under-the-radar move or just a straight power move? 
All right, to your first question, I think to me the most underrated um, recruit in this class is Alex Elliott. He's an in-state recruit out of Hutchinson, um, played primarily safety and running back in high school. He's a guy that um, camped with Minnesota multiple times over the last couple of years. Um, for the longest time, the staff um, did not extend a scholarship offer, and they, they came away very impressed by his speed and athleticism, but he, his, he just didn't have the size for the longest time. They kind of questioned um, whether he had the size to, you know, be a Big Ten linebacker, which is where he projects to be at the college level. I think last winter, he um, when he camped with them, he was 180 pounds, but I think over the next six months, he had about 20 pounds to his, pram, to his frame and camped with the Gophers in June, and um, apparently Fleck and Joe Ross were just kind of blown away with his performance that day. They, uh, I know Fleck today talked about, um, you know, how he trained, putting the work to transform his body and they're just really impressed with the way he was able to, you know, add, add to his frame without sacrificing his speed and athleticism. And they were confident enough to extend him a scholarship offer at that point. And yeah, I think, um, he'll obviously needs to bulk up, I think a little bit more, um, the next couple of years, but I think he could be a very versatile big 10 linebacker for Minnesota moving forward. Um, just kind of one of those, it's a very unique combination of size and size and speed. So I think he's got a lot of potential and a very high ceiling there. Um, and I think he's, you know, the the recruiting ratings have him kind of, I think, middle of the pack right now, um, even after kind of a very impressive senior season. So he's one I'd probably keep my eye on. And then as far as flex tie, I, I just don't – I don't think anything Fleck does is really under the radar. And there's probably some things he does, but I think his – his uh, wardrobe choices tend to be very loud, I would say. So I would not I would not call the tie choice um, an under-the-radar move. Andy, I assume you also have an under-the-radar player, so that's my part one question to you. Part two question, at this day and age, where would you project yourself in the 2D roster? Uh, well, for number one, I'm going to go I'm gonna go two. Uh, I've got two players. One, I think, is more talented than the other. Um but I think he's getting lost a little bit in the shuffle. I'm going to go with uh, running back Marquise Williams out of uh, Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. Only for the reason that, obviously, we've talked about Darius Taylor so much. But Williams uh, really has some impressive stats as well. Uh, one of the th- reasons why Minnesota got a chance to get Williams, most likely, is that he's kind of a small guy. I mean, I, I think he was listed size-wise at 5'9", 5'10", from people who have actually seen him play, he's probably more on the 5'7", 5'8", type of height. Um, And that's not all bad. I mean, he's not, you know, I'm going to compare him to a couple of, well, I'm going to compare him to a couple of uh, current and former Kansas State running backs. I mean, he's not really Darren Sproles, but he's got that type of short, shifty, like he could legitimately be a really big threat out of the backfield for Minnesota. Um, you know, another one who I'll compare him to, which, you know, I don't give me, you know, the, the hot takes in a couple of years here, but, you know, I think he's got a lot of Deuce Vaughn in him. Uh, Deuce Vaughn, the current running back for Kansas State, who, you know, is arguably, uh, I think he had some injuries this year. Um, but, I mean, arguably last year was one of the top three or four running backs in the country. And he's, he's a smaller guy, but if you've got the ability to run small, and he can find those holes, especially in the Gophers' zone blocking system. I mean, we saw what Mo Ibrahim has done, and he's not a huge guy at all. But if you can have that vision and you can get through those tiny holes, you can really make an impact in this uh, in this Gopher running system. So I think Williams might be one of those guys that, you know, while he's not as highly uh, touted as Taylor, um, you know, give it two years and we might be talking about a really nice two-headed monster in the backfield for the Gophers. Uh, the other one I'll shout out just because we're a Big Ten blog and I feel like we need to, uh, he's a walk-on, uh, Caleb McGrath, all-American punter from Apple Valley Eastview High School. 
Um, preferred walk-on, three stars. Uh, ESPN ranks him the number 11 recruit in the state of Minnesota. 24-7 is the number eight punter in the country. Um, but this kid's got a boot. And one interesting note in the Gopher Sports bio on him, apparently he can punt with either leg, which, you know, probably isn't a big deal until you're running and getting rushed and you have to try and, you know, get one off awkwardly. Um, but the cool thing about him is he's got some some great Gopher bloodlines. Uh, Dan McGrath, his dad, played baseball for the Gophers from 97 to 2000, is from Australia. Uh, so they went back and lived in Australia for a few years. So he's got that sort of Aussie punter, um, but, he's a, but he's a native Minnesotan. Um, more, more impressively, if you... Um, if you recognize the name, his mom is Susan Shudlick, who played volleyball for the Gophers from 96 to 99. The Shudlick family, arguably one of the best female athletic families uh, for the Gophers in the late 90s. Uh, both Susan's sisters, Carol Ann and Nancy, played basketball for the Gophers. Um, Carol Ann Shudlick won the Wade Trophy and I believe, 94 as the best female basketball player in the country. Um, so he's got the bloodlines. Um, which is great, and, and hopefully he can come in and uh, make an impressive stand and, and take over the Gopher punting job here um, in a year or so, or maybe even beat out Mark Crawford for the job uh, next fall. Um, but I think uh, having a local kid who's got, has got a boot would be a, a really good thing here for Minnesota for the next few years. Andy clearly ignoring where he projects as a college player here, which is fine. Which is fine. I, I completely. The transfer. I'll just say I completely. Yeah, it's fine. I completely fine. forgot the question, and uh, I'm pretty sure I'd be the dude who might be bringing water to like the grad assistant. I feel like you're. I feel like you're underselling yourself here. The recruiting today isn't just high school prospects. There's lots of. Recruits now, the transfer portal. PJ Fleck mentioned today, I think, in his press conference, there's something like over 4,000 recruits who are currently in the transfer portal in some way or another. So, Andy, two-part question for you. Number one, is there someone that came in from the transfer portal that we should be excited about for next fall as far as you're concerned? And two, I do not consider Kansas part of the Midwest, but in the spirit of the transfer protocol, uh, would you be willing to accept Kansas as a part of the Big Ten on a transfer basis? And by Big Ten, I, of course, mean the Midwest. <laughs> yes. Uh, I'll start with my, my offensive transfer that I think is going to make a, a immediate impact, and it's going to be one of the one of the wide receivers. Uh, obviously, P.J. Fleck repeated multiple times that they had to get more competition in that wide receiver room. Uh, the Gophers, that was an obvious lacking point last season, uh, and they went out and got a couple of them. One, I think, is, is going to make a, a big impact in the slot. Uh, Corey Crooms, coming from Western Michigan, um, you know, in 42 career games with Western Michigan, 115 catches, 1,700 yards, 12 touchdowns. In 2022, 57 catches, 814 yards, 5 touchdowns, 5 100-yard receiving games. Um, Gophers really didn't have anybody in the slot this year that made an impact. Um, Mike Brown-Stevens tried, um, but, you know, we, we know he had some struggles this year. Um, you know, I mean, the fact that we were playing Clay Geary at times in games tells you all you really need to know about the gopher wide receiver room in the slot. God bless Clay Geary, six-year senior, but um, there, there's no reason he should have been out there in, in main offensive time. Um, so I think Crooms is going to come in and really make a, uh, a nice impact. Um, 
in that wide receiver room. He's got one year to play as a grad transfer. Um, and if he can, you know, if he can make some noise in the slot along with, uh, you know, we got Daniel Jackson coming back. We got Dylan Wright coming back. You know, who knows when we'll get Chris Houghton Bell back and, and another guy that I think Blake's going to talk about here in a minute. And I think you saw this go for wide receiver room um, take a huge step forward, not even mentioning the potential freshman uh, who Minnesota brought in. So uh, to your second part question, I suppose I'd be willing to take Kansas as, as a transfer to the Midwest. But if we're going to do that, I think we probably need to worry about, you know, uh, it's right on the edge of the border, but I think we're going to have to drop the Dakotas then uh, to make sure we have room on our on our 85-man roster. So I'll take Kansas in, but uh, both Dakotas need to take a hike then. Blake, you mentioned that the Midwest is a state of mind. So do you think it would be acceptable from a transfer process getting rid of wall drug? Do you think that reduces the Midwestness? And similarly, Andy sort of teed you up. You, I think, are quite excited about several players that have come in via the transfer portal. Yeah, I mean, he touched on the fact that, you know, Fleck was pretty open and honest about wanting to turn the heat up in the wide receiver room. And I think he's done that um, specifically through the portal and through some high school signs they've made. But to me, the biggest transfer portal signing was um, Elijah Spencer out of Charlotte. Um, he was the Conference USA Freshman of the Year as a true freshman in 2021. And this season, he led them uh, with 57 receptions for 943 receiving yards and nine touchdowns. Um, you know, he's great after the catch, gets a lot of yards. He's great at contested catches. Um, you know, according to Pro Football Focus, he only had four drops at 90 targets. So to me, this is a guy that's going to come in right away and compete on the outside for snaps with, you know, guys like Dalen Wright and Daniel Jackson, um, Chris Hoffman Bell. And I, th- I think there's, you know, some of the comments I've seen, there's some recency bias. Like, I think people came away really impressed with how. Daniel Jackson and Dylan and Dalen Wright and you know even um, Lamecki Brockton looked in that finale against Wisconsin, but you know throughout the season, all three of those guys were you know wildly inconsistent, and I think um, Flex looking for guys that have you know been proven um, in their production, and you know Elijah Spencer certainly fits that bill, um, and I think he's going to be a good playmaker for this offense next year as they transition to probably more of a a balanced offensive attack. Um, with Ethan Kalik Manis, you know, at quarterback and Mohamed Ibrahim walking out the door at running back. So, um, but yeah, I mean, outside of, on the other side of the ball, I think the other big kind of under the radar, um, transferal signing was Jack Henderson out of Southeastern. Um, just very under the radar prospect. You know, obviously he's in FCS, but he's the guy that's just kind of dominated at that level the past, um, two seasons. You know, I think this season he was first team all Southland conference after having, you know, as a safety, 90 tackles, seven tackles for loss, two sacks, four pass breakups, two interceptions, two forced fumbles, and one fumble recovery. Um, he's a guy that he's been a two year starter for them and he'll have two years of eligibility remaining. And he's a guy that I think will really step into that, um, you know, nickel position that Michael Dixon had played um, the past couple of years. And obviously he's in the transfer portal, I think actually committed or, or signed with um, Rutgers today. So obviously that leaves a big hole in the secondary. And I think that's, they're going to look to Jack Henderson to fill that. So I think both Spencer and Henderson are guys that are going to make an immediate impact um, for Minnesota. And then I don't, I don't know what Waldrick is. I'll be completely honest with you. You don't know what Waldrick is? <coughs> No. You've never had the misfortune to drive through South Dakota? I've never wait, been wait, to South Dakota. Wait, 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 no, 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 part of the Midwest. stop here one second. You grew up in Iowa and you've never been to South Dakota? How the hell does that work? I've never been to either Dakota. Do you think that Dakota qualifies part of the Midwest? 
Um, that's a great question. I my instinct says no. Why? Why not? They, I think they're too far west. I think that I think they're right at the border. I think that's where you kind of have to draw the line. Gotcha. So this is this is fantastic breaking news. I'm glad to, that you might be the only person I've ever met who has never uh, heard of Waldrug. Waldrug is a very large store in South Dakota. It is seventy six thousand square feet, and it exists. It is a big selling point. If you drive through the state, hopefully as fast as possible, no offense to our South Dakota fans, but if you drive through that state as fast as possible, because, oh boy, is a lot of it not so great, you start seeing an awful lot of signs for wall drug. To put us slightly back on transfer portal talk, clearly uh, we'll have to transfer Blake to go to wall drug for us at some point, like an on-the-ground situation. But Andy, there's another transfer portal player that you think is pretty good. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, you know, if we're looking at the defensive side of the ball, the other name that stands out is is Ryan Seelig, also from Western Michigan, sixth year player, uh, has one year to play, which automatically everybody is making comparisons to Jack Gibbons, um, who I mean made a huge impact on the Gopher defense when he came in for his one year to play. Um, Seelig, you know, while not quite as flashy as Gibbons, is going to play that same role. He's probably going to fill that, that middle linebacker slot next to Cody Lindenberg, um, and. You know, I, I think he's he's got that experience. You know, he's played in uh, 45 career games with Western Michigan, uh, made 73 tackles this year in 12 games, five and a half tackles for loss, sack and a half. Um, you know, he's he's probably not going to be that that flashy, um, you know, showy linebacker, but he's going to be the dude who can get in the run fit. He's going to make his tackles. Uh, he's going to be what this gopher defense needs just a good solid linebacker who can probably go out and pass coverage but can also make sure that he's not getting killed in the run so um i think it's a good pickup as as minnesota definitely still has some questions they've got a lot of young linebackers who pj fleck was also very uh full of praise for in talking about um I'm talking about Seelig saying, hey, there's no guarantee that Seelig's going to win the job. You know, we've got a lot of young kids who we're really impressed with, but it gives them one more year to uh, to get some reps under their belt and and uh, plug Seelig in next to Lindenberg, who P.J. Fleck uh, said could Lindenberg could potentially be the best linebacker uh, he's ever had as a head coach in all his time, both at Western Michigan and at Minnesota. So uh, big praise there for Cody Lindenberg, and hopefully uh, – he and Seelig can team out to be, uh, you know, a, a shutdown pair, just like uh, Sorry Marin and, and Gibbons were uh, two years ago. So there you have it. A lot of stuff happening on the recruiting front. It is also the case the University of Minnesota football team is still slated to play football. I am on record that bowl games that are not the Rose Bowl or a national championship are exhibition games that don't really matter other than getting 15 additional practices, which is legitimately great. However, uh, we're going to send it to our preview guru, Blake, here in a second. I, however, just find it very important to read the following tweet. There's a real tweet from the official Pinstripe Bowl Twitter uh, feed, which uh, Elon Musk has not yet destroyed, so somehow uh, still exists. And I would like, Blake, if you could react to this. Honk if you're excited for the Bad Boy Mowers Pinstripe Bowl. Beep, beep. 
I was gonna because I was gonna correct you. You'd said pinstripe ball. You'd, I don't think you'd said bad boy mowers pinstripe ball. I wanted to make sure that, like you're using the correct name there. Yeah. What? How much money would you have to be given to walk around with a bad boy mowers pinstripe ball T-shirt? That's a great question. Uh, where am I walking around? You have to walk around uh, the city of Chicago with a sort of large sign in addition to a t-shirt. So you're advertising for, uh, once again, the bad boy mowers pinstripe ball. I probably, I mean, you could probably get me for $1,000 for that. $1,000? Yeah. How long, how long would you be willing to walk around Chicago? I mean... What what time? Like in this time of yeah. year? I mean, who knows if Bad Boy Mowers is still going to be sponsoring the Pinstripe Bowl next year? This is fair. Um, I probably walk around. I mean, I probably walk around for an hour or two, maybe five hundred dollars an hour is your rate for Bad what? Boy. No, 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 no. To yes, now to that... throw in my own non sequitur, what if you also had to carry around a boombox playing the P Diddy hit "Bad Boys for Life" at the same time? Um, I think I'd probably get my ass kicked uh, <laughs> if I did, if, if I did that. <laughs> so I'd probably raise the price a little bit. <laughs> my sense is tickets to the Bad Boy Mowers Pinstripe Bowl are still available. Uh, Blake, from an actual football perspective, should we be at all excited about this game? I mean, Syracuse is doing their darndest to to uh, crank up the doesn't really matter factor of this game. I mean, first of all, the game is what at 1 p.m. Central Time on a Thursday, um, and then Syracuse uh, lost our offensive coordinator. He left um, to take the same position at NC State, and their defensive coordinator left to take the same position at Nebraska. They have already named a new offensive coordinator. They just promoted their quarterbacks coach. Defensive coordinator, I think they're making an outside hire, so I'm not sure who will serve as um, defensive coordinator for the bowl game. And then they've also had their um, top running back, um, Sean Tucker. He's opting out of the bowl game and declaring for the NFL draft. Um, and then on the defensive side, I think that they have, they've had a couple of reserve, key reserves, guys that have entered the portal. But I think for the most part, they're starting um, – 11 on, on defense are mostly intact, but um, yeah, it's going to be an interesting game. You know, Syracuse kind of had an interesting season. They started six and zero, and I think they're ranked in the top 15 at that point. Um, coming into a game with Clemson. Now a big part of that six and zero start was their quarterback, Garrett Trader. He's a former Mississippi state transfer and he was the guy that um, could make plays with his arm and with his leg. You know, those first six games, I think he had 12 touchdowns, three interceptions and also 300 rushing yards and five touchdowns. But then, in that second half of the season, he got really bogged down with injuries, um, wasn't very mobile, so got stuck in the pocket, couldn't you know make play, couldn't extend plays, make plays with his legs. Um, you know his completion percentage kind of cratered, so um, they lost like their next five games. So they are so they started six and five, and then they, I think they won their season finale against Boston College. So um, kind of a tale of two halves for them. Um, so it'll be interesting to see. Um, what team shows up for the pinstripe bowl? I think, you know, with wish traders specifically and a couple other guys, um, who've been banged up. I think the long layoff, they're probably hoping that they can get those guys to hundred percent. So, um, I'd expect, you know, Schrader to be at least close to hundred percent and he's got a big target. I think in Arondo Gadsden, he's their wide receiver turned tight end. He's a guy that's like six, five, 216 pounds. Um, just kind of a mismatch nightmare for 
Opposing defenses, you know, he leads um, Syracuse in receptions, receiving yards, and you're receiving touchdowns this season. So he's their he's their big play threat in the passing game, and I think obviously they're going to want to probably rely on that passing game with you know Tucker not being there, and he's been their workhorse on offense. So um, and also with the offensive quarter being the former quarterbacks coach, I think they're just there's going to be a greater emphasis on the passing game. So. We'll need to see, hopefully, Minnesota generate some pass rush um, and try to get some pressure on Trader um, and keep him from escaping the pocket, but also it should be a good game from the secondary, and we'll see. Obviously, they won't have Michael Dixon in, in um, the slot anymore, so we'll see who takes over that. I think Beanie Bishop got some saw some time there um, in the season finale against Wisconsin, so maybe he takes that spot, or they've got you know Ryan Stapp or Miles Fleming, a couple other corners that might step in there for the bowl game, but... Um, should be an interesting game for the Minnesota defense. And then Syracuse, Syracuse's defense, they run um, 3-3-5. It's 3-3-5 defense. I think they're pretty solid for the most part, except their weak spot is against the run. They rank 65th in the country in rushing defense. They're allowing, I think, an average of about 150 yards rushing yards per game. Um, they, are, they do rank in the top 30 in total defense, um, top 20 in passing yards allowed, and I think they're 35th in scoring defense. So... Overall, pretty solid defense. Um, like I said, I think they're a little bit thin depth-wise because some key guys entered the portal, but I think um, they'll, they'll get some guys back too that have been injured um, So on defense. So I think it'll, I'll, I'd expect it to be a close game, um, even though Syracuse, like, I wouldn't sleep on them having, like, I think people will probably look at their record and say these are guys that lost, like, five straight before beating a bad Boston College team. Um, I don't think they're a bad team. I think they might be better in this game than they looked probably towards the end of the season. Now that they got some guys healthy, but um, yeah, I expect probably a tight game between these two teams. Andy, uh, bad boy mowers tagline is, and this is coming straight from their own website. So this is a direct quote for their copy is mow with an attitude. Do you feel when you mow a lawn that you mow it with an appropriate attitude? Uh, I mean, if my attitude is, is I, I generally am, am treating my lawn with disdain because, you know, it's mid-August and I don't want to be out there, then yeah, sure, you know, but I, I generally have a good attitude about mowing my lawn early in the season. It's just, it's, you know, as the season goes on, you get more and more frustrated. Uh, so it's mu- what it must feel like to be a Wisconsin fan this year. But um, do you feel like you will mow with an appropriate attitude? knowing that the University of Minnesota might be victorious in the bad boy mowers. I, I think we will have a Mo who will be running with an appropriate attitude, and I think he's going to have a big game going out on top. Um, you know, as, as Blake said, Syracuse is not very good against the run, and I fully expect, um, as, as many people have brought, uh, P.J. Fleck knows exactly how many yards Mo needs to get to break um, single season rushing record held by David Cobb and the all time rushing record held by Daryl Thompson. So uh, I think you'll see, even though Minnesota showed this newfangled passing game against Wisconsin, I think you will see a lot of uh, feeding Mo early, trying to get him the records. Um, and then, you know, we'll see what happens from there. I think the uh, one of the more interesting things we'll be watching for is, is who exactly plays uh, quarterback for Minnesota. Um, you know, uh, Ethan Kalakmakis obviously is, has won the job and will be going into next year as a starter. Uh, but I do think as long as he's cleared, and it appears that he probably is cleared as he's playing in one of the uh, postseason, you know, NFL showcase games, that I do think we will at least see Tanner Morgan a little bit as a, as a send-off. Um, whether he gets the ceremonial start and Ethan 
takes over after the second series, whether Ethan starts and the Gophers hopefully get up big so that Tanner can finish off the game. Um, we'll be curious to see, but I do think we will see Tanner Morgan out there at least a little bit uh, a week from a week from Thursday uh, in New York. Uh, pulling up the the seating chart for the Bad Boy Mowers Pinstripe Bowl, as you said, uh, plenty of tickets do seem to be available. Um, it might be for the fact that you can sit in the upper or the last row of the second deck in the corner of the end zone, and that's the cheapest ticket available right now. Uh, and after the you know classic ticket bastard fees and everything like that, it's only a fifty six dollar ticket to to sit in the upper deck, you know, in the corner of the end zone. Um, if you'd like, that's almost 10 hours of Blake walking around Chicago with a bad boy mowers. That's his rate. (laughs) If you'd like to sit closer to the, yeah, if you'd like to sit closer to 50, um, and you want to spend $170 on a, on a bowl game ticket between these two teams, um, there's there's still a few tickets left there, or you can pay $90 to be directly behind home plate in the, uh, you know, which is directly behind an end zone, but you'll be at least be in one of the club seats. Um, and Probably, let's be honest, you're watching the game on TV then. Um, but, you know, if, if you feel like going to, to New York at holiday time, there are definitely still tickets available. Uh, I'm assuming the gopher allotment has not sold out either way. Um, but, yeah, as, as Blake said, you know, Syracuse with going through lots of transitions, um, you know, swapping out new coordinators, uh, they're running back, opting out. Uh, the line started out, Gophers were about a 6.5-point favorite. It's now 10-point favorite uh, for the Gophers in this game, over-under of just 42. So uh, predicting Minnesota's going to score, but not you know an absolute ton if you're looking at, you know I guess what that would be, a, a 25, no, 26-18-ish game, something like that. Um, you know, I, I do think Minnesota will, uh, will win. I do think Minnesota... You know, PJ Fleck has still been pretty good about uh, about pushing these guys in bowl games and making sure that they treat it like a like a real game. Um, you know, we haven't heard anything about any opt outs for Minnesota. I think uh, you know uh, Ryan Burns threw out that he wouldn't be surprised if, if John Michael Schmitz potentially opts out. Um, but you know, Tyler Newbin's playing, Mo is playing, um, so the Gophers will have most of their or their traditional roster. So I do think uh, they'll be able to. To pretty much control things. Hopefully, it won't be quite as ugly as the uh, guaranteed rate bowl against West Virginia a year ago, but it probably won't be uh, you know one of these thrilling games. It will be Minnesota takes control and and you know cruises to a to a 10, 12, 14 point win. Okay, so your prediction, Andy. You say 10 to 14 point win. Give me I'm going to say the Gophers are going to beat Syracuse. Let's go. I'll say 31-17. Blake, give me a score. I'm going to dock Minnesota touchdown. I'll go 24-17 Minnesota. Right. Well, my prediction is that if the Gophers score 25 points, i.e. they end this game on 25 points, I will buy Blake a ticket to Waldrick. That is unquestionably my prediction. Right. Stay with the dailygopher.com for all of your pinstripe bowl related needs as well as breaking down recruiting this podcast of course focused entirely on national signing day and part of that is because the basketball teams are bad however there's plenty of basketball hockey and other sports related coverage you can also see on dailygopher.com and with that friends go gophers sky Uma, row the boat Go, go.
for thrills of boat.